This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to The Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, co-founder and CEO of Visionary Wealth Advisors. And today I've got the uh, privilege to interview uh, Brendan Kane. Brendan, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I am doing well. You're coming to us from uh, Austin, Texas. There's a lot of people moving to Austin, Texas nowadays. Yep. uh, Pretty much everybody I know from LA has either moved or moving or considering moving. (laughs) Right. One of those uh, those three things, huh? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of craziness going on right now, but that's not what this podcast is about, man. We're here to help people. You are uh, the author of uh, 1 Million Followers and uh, your new book, Hook Point. So we'll talk about that. You're an outside the box thinker. You've helped a lot of big companies, man, corporations, uh, celebrities, individuals, uh, kind of with their messaging, with their marketing, making them stand out. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. So um, what I always talk about, Brendan, is really what's kind of made you the man you are today. I know it's a really big question and really open question, but just kind of some of the stuff, let's go back as far as you want, that some of the things you think helped you got to where you are today. Yeah, there's quite a few. I would say one of the things is self-doubt is a big thing that has helped pave the way for me is, you know, ingrained in early childhood who I had a a father that pushed me consistently, specifically in sports and also in academics, uh, coming from a very good place. Uh, you know, I'm very thankful for it. Uh, but that created a lot of self-doubt in myself. And, you know, eventually when I left, the household to pursue, you know, after college and, and just going into the real world, I took that role onto myself and pushing myself super hard. So in some ways it, it's, you know, in, in some ways it's a blessing, some ways it's a curse because you, you push yourself super hard, but right. uh, that's definitely one of the things. And, you know, through that is I'm very much an experiential learner. I can't really just read about something and, and understand it at a deep level. I actually have to do it. So when people look at just my resume, if you want to call it that, or just the things I've done, I've done a lot because I needed to actually get the tangible hands-on experience. And I enjoy that process of learning and testing and trying new things and and figuring out complex strategies and how they work. Uh, So I would say that's another core aspect Mm -hmm. that has contributed to uh, the success uh, that some people would say that I have had over the course of my career. Got it. So how do you, how did you get through, maybe you haven't, but how do you get through the self-doubt to get to where you're at now and have the success that you've had? Well, the self-doubt has fueled it. And, you know, I I would never say that I've mastered it. Uh, You know, I still deal with it. I I think that the biggest aspect to anything in, in improving yourself and your ability to connect with others in your personal life or just growing business and scaling is number one is have the awareness of it. Understand that it's there. And once you have the awareness, then you can reshape your relationship with it. 
and understand it better. So definitely have made significant strives in, in understanding and not pushing myself uh, too hard, but also using it to its advantage. But it's, it's a daily practice. It's a daily process. Yeah. Uh, you know, like one of my business advisors that I've worked with for eight or nine years says is like, listen, the things that you experience at childhood are always going to be there. It's just your ability to understand it and deal with it uh, that makes it uh, makes it easier to to strategize and develop ways to better you know cope with it and, and use it to your advantage. I like that. Right, writing down notes. I'm a big note taker. Um, so so how did you stay a student of the game or become a student of the game to really have this self doubt? You said it fueled you to be successful because it, you know, probably your action, your mindset, all the stuff that you wanted to do. You had high expectations for yourself, I assume. How, how did you become a student of the game to learn and get to the level that what you've gotten to? Well, I mean, just by doing, like I, I have a very entrepreneurial spirit, like how I got into the technology and digital and social space is I went to to film school to be a film producer. And I wanted to really learn the business side of the entertainment industry. But unfortunately, when I got there, I realized they don't teach you anything about business there. Mm. And I figured the best way to learn about business is start your own. Uh, so I started a few internet companies because it was the most cost efficient way to get started. And it still holds true today. So sure. I created a few internet companies really just to learn and experiment that when I, I made the move to LA, to pursue a career in film, it's when the entertainment industry started to reawaken to digital after the dot-com bust. And, you know, as I break down and the reason I spent two years putting the information in the hook point book is I showed up and started at the bottom, like everybody else, I was making coffee and copies and deliveries. And like anybody, you want to break through, you want to grab the yeah. attention of the people at the highest levels. But when I was positioning myself or when people would ask me, why am I here? What do I want to do? And I would say a film producer, you could just see the eyes glaze over or, you know, just people like, oh, just another one. Because there, right? there's hundreds of thousands or millions of people that are moving to LA to be a film producer. So I needed to find a way to stand out. And that's when I really took a step back and would listen to what was happening in the office and really observe language, behavior, body language, tone, tone of voice. And I could see that whenever we finished a movie, something that we would invest tens of millions of dollars in, there'd be a sense of anxiety and stress that would come over the office because it's like, okay, we invested all this money. Now in the next six months, we need a hundred million people plus around the world to know about this in order to have any chance of recouping investment. And I was like, okay, well, I started these internet companies. I have some ideas and strategies that we can tap into significant audiences and scale the message out for a fraction of the cost, in some cases, no cost at all. And that was my hook or way of standing out to grab the attention of studio executives, um, actors, directors, producers. Uh, so going back to your question, it's like that, those are the types of things that fueled my success is I would just do, I would create, I would find any opportunity to A, stand out and B, produce something of value to the people I wanted to connect with. And through producing that, I would learn a tremendous amount about what it takes to actually achieve the vision that I set out to do. 
So, so using your book name hook point, what, what was one of those hooks? Like what's an example of somebody, some big, you know, maybe you don't have to say the names, but the, the producer, the movie star, whatever, like, what were you doing to actually hook them? Like, what's an example? Well, I would just see like, there was, um, for example, there was a movie I worked on called crank with starring Jason Statham and the directors uh, and writers of the movie were first time directors and writers. Uh, so the, the project was really important to them. And it was a smaller budget film. I think they made it for like 10 million, which sounds like a lot, but yeah, talk about like the Avengers, the Avengers is like 150, $200 million. So put it in, putting it into perspective, but because the movie had a smaller budget, I mean, there was a smaller marketing budget, a fraction of sure. the traditional things. So I, at the time, and this was, I think, 2007, 2008, I was like, I was, YouTube was just coming on the scene and at the time, there was no such thing as an influencer. The term hadn't existed. We all take it for granted now, um, you know, 12, 13 years later. But I was like, listen, there's all of these YouTube people, YouTube creators that are amassing huge audiences. And I went to them and I said, hey, listen, we should tap into these audiences and see if they want to make some fun content with us. And they're like, yeah, that's interesting. That's a great idea. Uh, so I just messaged the top 100 YouTubers at the time. And I just said, Hey, do you want to interview a movie star? Huh. Simple with no pay or anything like that. And I got like five or six to respond. And that was one hook in one way. And that grabbed the attention. And then we, I remember we were down at Comic-Con promoting the movie. And then, you know, I didn't think he would care. Like Jason Statham was a huge movie star. Right. But he just started asking me questions like, well, what are you doing in this film? And I was telling about some of the ideas we were doing. And like, he's like, well, that's awesome. He's like, can you come to my house and talk a little bit about, you know, my personal strategy and how I could tap into it? And again, it wasn't like I was, you know, trying to sell anything. It was like me just looking at, okay, what is the value equation here? How can I help benefit the film, the directors, the producers, the star? And that was really a hook of somebody at the time. I was still making coffee and copies hmm. uh, for the business. And then shortly after that, because the movie was successful, it, it opened up number one that uh, I got the opportunity to build the first digital division for that studio I was working for. Wow. Yeah, I love that. And so what makes me think of it is, so one of the circuits of circuit of success is action. And you always hear that about the kind of the gut or the heart versus the head what I heard you say there is you had an idea, let's send a hundred emails out. Let's see what happens. Right. Versus thinking about it, putting a plan and a strategy together. And then your, your brain's going to tell you what, Oh, you shouldn't do this. Who the hell is going to listen to this guy that's making coffee. They're not going to want to interview this or they're not blah, blah, blah. Right. You can see where it goes. So when you hear me say all that, is that you connect with that? Is that true? You just got to take action versus worrying about it so much. Yeah, a hundred percent. And mindset, as you know, is the most important thing. Like I can tell right away when somebody reaches out to me about my book or a client works with us privately one-on-one, -on -one, whether they're going to be successful or not. Hmm. Like I know I can provide the roadmap. I right. know I can provide the strategy that will help them stand out, be successful because we've done it. You know, right. we've, we've generated hundreds of millions of dollars for our clients with the strategy and the consultancy that we have. And then there's some clients that don't do anything. And they completely fail. And it just comes down to that mindset right. and that perspective. For me, though, it's interesting. I don't have any doubt or anything in the action phase. My self-doubt comes after you build it. Hmm. It's like, I don't even, I just do. 
I, I love the creation process, but once yeah. it's done and it's up, that's when the self-doubt comes in. But uh, you, you're, you're at that point where you've invested so much time or resources or money into something that luckily there's no really turning back at that right. point. So let's talk about that for a second. When you say it's built, now you get this bright, shiny object, right? You know it can work. Walk us through that self-doubt. Like now, what are you doing to yourself? Well, it's like, are people going to like it? Are people going to buy it? Uh, you know, are, are, am I going to get negative comments or responses, things of that nature that really just creep in and, you know, it's, do you ever make it personal? Sorry to interrupt. Do you ever make it personal? Like, like who this, who's Brendan think he really is to think that I can go out to hundreds oh, oh, of millions of people's all the time. I, I, it comes in the form of, am I full of shit? You know, that, those thoughts come into play yeah. and, and it's like when I'm doing it, I believe in it so much. And then once it's done, once it's launched is like, and that's happened with the first book and we've rewritten it like three times and we're going to rewrite it again, but it's, it's hard, you know, and you know, listen, I don't, I don't even try and I have somebody thankfully that manages all of our ad comments, because if I got into it, (laughs) I would just be like, I'm out. We're done. Yeah. It's just, it's hard. Like, even though I work on mindset all the time, it's, you know, it's that, that, that old thing is like, you have a hundred positive comments and that one negative one just gets to you. And you're, you're, and I talk to my clients about this all the time. It's like, when you scale, you're going to have negativity. It doesn't matter. There's nobody at scale that, that doesn't receive it. Yeah. Yeah. I just had a guy on the podcast, Drew Stoltz. He's got a great podcast. He's a big golf guy and, and, but he plays golf with like, you know, world number two, John Rahm and you know I'm a golfer. And so I connect with this, but he said, you know, you could have the 500th best person in, in the, in the world, he's probably going to be just about as good as the number one, number two, number three, but it's all right here, right? It's all up yep. in the mindset is, you know, that he said, jokingly, John Rahm wants to rip your face off over a $5, you know, putt, because that's just how committed he is that killer mentality. And so I think it works the same way in the boardroom. Don't you? Yeah. I, you know, you, another example is go watch the last dance with Michael Jordan mm-hmm. and how competitive he was, but I've just chosen that that's not me. I, I'm not here to compete. I, I don't care about beating somebody else. And luckily the industry that I'm in, it's not about that. It's the, the tech and digital and social industry is not really about competition. It's a very supportive community. Now that doesn't mean like Facebook doesn't want to buy beat TikTok and things of that nature. Sure. But but luckily the the industry is so big and it's so diverse in the way that people make money and grow their businesses that it's a pretty positive ecosystem. And I don't look at it as a competition because I wouldn't enjoy it. Like I'm not that person, like you said, that I'm going to, you know, kill somebody for $5 or break my back <laughs> right. to, to do that. I just, and I mean that more a, about yourself though. Are you competitive with yourself? I'm not competitive with myself. I'm Maybe harder I'm myself. Yeah, that's okay. Maybe that's the word I was looking yeah. for. Yeah. 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 And I'm working more and more. I'm working as much as possible to relieve that because I don't think it's healthy. Yeah. I agree with that. So when you said earlier, I work on mindset every day, like give us an example. Brendan wakes up in the morning. You don't have to go through your whole routine, obviously, but just kind of what are some things that you're doing to get 1% better every single day? Yeah. So right now I spend about an hour every morning just on mindset. So I started training with a professional freediver that has breath techniques. So I have like a a 16 minute um, breathing process that goes through, you know, um, long breath holds that, that kind of put yourself in a state of anxiety and state of panic to get a better understanding of it. 
And then, you know, I do about a 20 or 30 minute meditation. And then I have another 15, 20 minutes of, of breath work that I go through. And then, you know, I, I work, uh, you know, I try and work out at least four or five times a, a week after that. So that's kind of like that morning routine to get me that I'm working through right now and testing. That's incredible. I did this, uh, you've obviously probably heard of Wim Hof. And so I did the Wim yeah. Hof thing where I went from holding my breath for like 40 seconds to like almost four minutes. Yeah. And that first few times, I literally thought I was going to black out. Like it, I had to like open my eyes and like it kind of gave me some anxiety. You worked through it. So, I mean, did you deal with some of that stuff when you were doing your breath work early on? I'm still dealing with it. Yeah, it's still, it's still there. But it's interesting, you know, when you put in... And I had to, again, like I was at a point where I was pushing myself too hard instead of experiencing it. That kind of set me back a little bit. But when you put yourself in a state of anxiety or panic every morning, it kind of makes everything else easier because in (laughs) some ways you're facing death and what it feels. Because like when you hold your breath and you get that state of panic, it feels like you're dying. And when you experience that, it kind of makes everything easier. So when I have like, am I stressed out about a client or a comment or something like that? I'll just go and hold my breath until you reach that kind of contraction of your body telling you, I want to breathe. And that kind of resets your nervous system. It resets your, your mindset to, to kind of go back into that and, and relieve yeah. whatever's really bothering you. Are you familiar with Made For, the company Made For, Blake Mikoski? I think they're there in Austin, Texas. Yeah, I connected with his partner at yeah, one Pat. point. We were going to do something with him and we just ended up didn't. But yeah, I'm familiar with yeah. it. He's doing the underwater diving thing right now. So he was on the podcast a few weeks ago and he was talking about that. So it's interesting. Yeah. Are and you the actually going to go underwater diving? Yeah, I did it. I've been training with this guy in Tulum and it's interesting. Like he marries that with psychedelics to like reprogram the brain. And it's, it's pretty powerful stuff. Wow. That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so talk to us about this. I saw, you know, on some of your Instagram posts and, and I love this, but when I say the word overnight success, what, what do you hear for me or for in general, just in general and for you, not, not that you're the overnight. Success. I don't think I'm there's not that. Listen, there are there examples of people that have overnight success. Sure. But the people that maintain that success are the ones right. that don't look at it as overnight. Right. That and was my point. I would, I would say a majority of people look at the ultra successful people and consider them overnight success when they really don't see what happens behind the scenes. I mean, for me, I've been working at this for 15 years. Sure. I've closed big clients early on and worked with big movie stars and stuff, but to me, that wasn't really success. And I'm still working at it. Like I, you know, you talk about like inner circle, like I know five people that created five, um, that create billion dollar companies in the past five years. Like the circle that I'm running in is far more successful with me. And I, I don't really benchmark myself against them. I've learned not to do that. Yeah, you can lose but, that um, game pretty quickly, can't you? Yeah. It's not, it's, again, it's not a game. It's not, it's not a competition. Yep. It's kind of what's right for you. Everybody has their own path. I like that. That's good feedback. So when, when I say the word brand, I mean, that that's kind of like you said, influencer early, you talked about brand, you hear that. How, how do you define what your personal brand is? So if you're, you got the man or woman driving down the street right now and they say, I want to work on my brand. What does that mean to a guy that helps people all over the world, big celebrities talk about their brand? Well, we focus on a very specific part of that formula where you know there's people like Simon Sinek and there's so many branding agencies out there that talk about your positioning, your brand foundation, your purpose, your why. 
all of that stuff, which don't get me wrong, is critically important. But we, you know, the world that we live in today, there's over 60 billion messages sent out each day. Like your mm. brand doesn't mean anything if you can't capture that attention in the first three to five seconds. And that's where we specialize in is we help people grab that attention and overcome the noise so that you can get to your brand story, that you can get to what you represent. So the, yes, there's a ton of talk about personal branding out there and your personal brand is really important, whether you're working within an organization or something else. But I think that there's too much emphasis put on the brand and the and the, the foundational, the purpose and why when 99% of the people that we run into, they can't even get somebody to stop hmm. in three seconds to pay attention. Uh, and, and that's where we really help people excel uh, because without it, it, it just doesn't matter at the end of the day. That's right. So what are the, what are maybe three, four, five, whatever it is? I mean, what is, what are some things you can help people to grab that attention early on? Well, one of the biggest uh, things that we talk about is pattern interruption is that's really how, how you win in today's world is, uh, you know, it's twofold. It's, it's, it's pattern interruption to grab the attention and then hold, how long can you hold that attention for? And both have to play off of each other. And the biggest thing is in order to interrupt the pattern to grab the attention, you have to understand what the pattern is. And it's amazing how few people do the homework, study the references, understand what the, con the content landscape is, both your direct competition and just every other piece of content generated uh, before they try and disrupt the pattern. And that's one of the biggest things that we do in our work with clients and teach our clients to do is to identify that pattern so you can break it and stand out. And would one of those patterns be, and if, if somebody's listening to this, I'm, what I'm doing, I'm people watching and I'm flipping my thumb up and down. Like I'm going through my phone, like I'm yeah. on social media, right? I'm assuming that's one of the patterns because they may not even see it because they're just flipping through stuff. Is that fair? Yeah. Or you're talking about a totally different pattern. Oh yeah. Social media is one thing is looking at your competitors, Instagram pages and, and scrolling over the images. You'll see the, the patterns there. If you're writing a book going on Amazon, if you're running paid ads, going into the Facebook ad library, if you're creating a billboard, looking at billboards, I mean, there's so many different ways. Like if you're on YouTube studying thumbnails and headlines, uh, there's so many different ways that you can look at those patterns and, and learn from them, both positive and negative. That's another big thing is don't just look at the good ones, look at the bad ones too, because that will teach you not, that'll teach you what not to do. So I, I think of there's audio, there's video, like we're doing here. You could do one or the other with this yeah. content, right? And then there, there's what I would say reading, right? I could write an article from what I learned from Brendan today. Are you finding ones more important than the other or what are you finding? Depends on the business, depends on the goals. You know, obviously video has a lot more upside, a lot more potential, but it's harder to pull off yeah. because there's so many different variables. You look at an image, you can see in like a split second, is this image drawing me in versus video? You have performance, you have cadence, you have tone, you have captions, you have meme card, yep. all, you have the retention, all of these different things. So it really depends on the client that we're working with and what they're looking to achieve, what the competition looks like and what their strengths and weaknesses are from a communication standpoint as well. Um, so what, what do you, what do you tell the person that says, yeah, man, but I've been working my butt off for a year, two years, five years, whatever they're doing. They're like, I'm putting this content out or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And I'm just not getting any engagement what well, advice because, you because you're, you're not succeeding in the two things, you know, being in social media again, and we talked about this, it's, you, you only have to do two things. It's very simple, but it's not necessarily easy. It's either you're not 
disrupting the pattern and capturing attention, meaning you're not stopping the scroll, you're not earning the click, and or you're not holding that retention. So one of those two things are broken. So you've got to go back and study. And the biggest thing you know, with people that say what you just said is, oh, I've been doing this for years. Almost every single time, they're just doing the same thing over and over again and just expecting something to break through. And it's not the case. You know, The algorithms have a very t- difficult job with all the content being published and they have to prioritize content that's going to hold attention for the longest period possible because that's how they make money. Mm-hmm. And if your content is not stopping people, and if your content's not holding attention, they're going to deprioritize it. Hmm, makes a lot of sense. I like that. Um, so how do we create attention? Any advice there, whether again, social media or somewhere else on a billboard? I mean, what are the, the, the tricks of the trade that you would be helping people with? Well, again, it goes back to understanding the pattern so you can break it. You can't do anything until you do your research on references of good and bad. And then from there, then you can start studying and and start testing. You know, one tool that we use sometimes, and we don't use it all the time, but subverting expectations, flipping something on its head. So for example, we had a video that go viral that the, the headline said, warning, safety is dangerous. So that flips a known, a held known uh, assumption on its head to get people to stop. Now we're not talking about clickbait here because the second part is you have to hold the attention. So the story has to play into that. Uh, so that's one thing is like, you look at my first book and the second book as well, but the first book is a hook, a million followers in 30 days. Hmm. As it's designed, you know, you type in social media or social media marketing into Google, you're gonna get billions of results. So that title was done by design to disrupt the pattern of what everybody else is saying to, to get people into that story. Hmm. Got it. So talk to us about Hookpoint. What, uh, what was uh, kind of the passion behind that? And, uh, and tell us about that book. Yeah, well, it's, I had to take a step back and really learn what caused the success on my end. Uh, because people would ask me, you know, what have you, how do you close these big clients? How do you have these uh, huge results for your brand or, or my brand? And, and everything really came back to my ability to stand out in very crowded markets to grab attention, going back all the way back to my first job in the movie industry. And from there, then I was like, okay, that how do I distill something down that, you know, I've just been doing for 15 years. And I hesitate to say intuitively because it, it took a lot of work to get good at and develop it into a framework so that other people can be successful with it. So I spent the past two years uh, distilling my personal framework into the book, but also uh, including the frameworks of my friends and my partners that have driven amazing results. Like one of my friends that sold a billion dollars worth of product off of social media ads. Another one of my friends that, that generates a hundred million dollars a year in business development deals, all breaking down the psychology of that to help people grab that attention, to, to, to push them uh, to listen to the story, the message or the product or service that they have to offer the world. That's awesome. That's awesome. So everybody can get that book at, I'm um, assuming at every, every major bookstore you can possibly think of. Yeah, it's available everywhere. Uh, I would recommend going to book.hookpoint.com to get it because there you'll get access to the physical book, audio and ebook in addition to a masterclass for, you know, one low price. Hmm. So book.hookpoint.com. Yeah. You'll get one book sale at least in the next 15 minutes. Appreciate uh, it. Absolutely. So where do our listeners find more? Brendan, man, where can we find you? Uh, obviously, you and I connected through Instagram, but uh, where, where can we, besides there, where can we find you? 
Yeah, if they want to learn more about the work that we do with clients, they can go to hookpoint.com. They can connect me, uh, connect with me on Instagram at Brendan Kane uh, or email me at bkane at brendanjkane.com. Awesome. So uh, last few questions. I take your cell phone from you right now and I'm going to delete one app besides email because that's boring. What's one app that you hope I don't delete from you? Uh, well, Instagram right now, because we do so much testing and learning on it, we use it as a reference guide. Uh, okay. so that I, I would say that's a big one. Yeah. That's a business deal for you right there. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, Brendan, it's been awesome having you on the circuit of success podcast. And, uh, like every week people turn back in to get the best tips and tools for business ideas. And you certainly gave us a lot of business ideas today, man. So I appreciate it. It's great having you. Yeah. Likewise. <laughs> Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.